We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why... When it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your host, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. All right, let's get going. So guys, for everyone who's joining, we're going to give, um, we want to have you guys comment. We have Tyler, who has been helping us out with a lot of back-end podcast stuff. He does the social media clips and all that kind of stuff. He's going to be following along in the comments, and he's going to be messaging them to us. We want to make this interactive. We want to hear what you guys have to say, ask questions, comments, your thoughts. We want to kind of make it an interactive thing as we go um, diving into everything uh, about this game. And Scott, don't you think that because last year the game was on Tuesday, that extra day kind of just makes it feel too long. Like I feel like the season ended a year ago at this point. And we've just been sitting on our hands waiting for this wild card game. That's because when's the last time besides a rainout or, you know, some other uh, strange thing that we've had two days off of baseball for the, you know, besides the all-star break. 
it just doesn't happen. Uh, you know, we've uh, we, at least if, with an arena, you have anticipation of baseball. Mm. But um, but yeah, so now the anticipation is like in- extremely real. You could cut it with a knife on how thick it is. Uh, but yeah, I kind of like having that first game so that you can just get into it and you don't have to you don't have to worry about it anymore. Just let's let's go, let's play baseball. And I know the National League is about to start, or they're starting now. So, right, and there wasn't actually any days off from baseball because we had two tiebreaker games on Monday, and then we get the NL wild card tonight. But it's actually a good thing the AL's playing Wednesday because it's supposed to be a much more uh, good weather day in the Bronx on yeah. Wednesday night than it is tonight. It's I think it's supposed to rain tonight, so that would have really sucked. And that would have actually been fitting if the Yankees all season, they had 20 games affected by rain if they make it to the wild card game. And of course, that one's affected by rain too. So glad that did not happen. Yeah, I would prefer just, you know, give me the give me good conditions and let the best team win. I don't I don't want any of those uh, you know, great equalizers. Not that, that not that we really need it for this team because on, honestly both offenses are mashing and both bullpens supposedly show up so um it's it's relatively even matched honestly if you look at them on paper yeah this is not the minnesota twins i don't this is not the minnesota twins i think even though the oakland athletics have no more starting rotation i don't think they give a crap they're going into it with the bullpen and this offense is not the minnesota twins this is not the the twins are the yankees punching bag they are little brother the yankees even when they were down three nothing they knew this this is the minnesota twins we're gonna come back no worries the Oakland Athletics, who do have a little bit of some postseason demons. Billy Bean has never been able to really do anything in the postseason with his teams. But the A's, I think, are going to be a much tougher matchup than the Twins were last year. No, I agree. Plus, the when you're looking at the lineup, these guys just don't care. I mean, they hit on the, they hit on the road better than they hit at home. Um, you know, we've talked about this, the fact that they're, they have to make, if they were to win this game, they got to make an East Coast trip anyway. So, you know, they're looking at it as, let's just do this now. We're yep. going to go to the East Coast, going to make a quick right trip out of it, and then we'll, and then we'll go. But um, I just, I don't sense, it doesn't give, this team doesn't give me the sense of, of uh, you know, big nerves coming into play. And I know when I spoke with um, Jane Lee, the beat writer for, for Oakland the other day, she was talking about that it could come into play. But when I see a young, hungry team like this, because you know they're probably cocky as hell too. They're all professional baseball players, young dudes. That's just how they, that's just how they are. And, uh, you know, they're going to have a lot of confidence. Whereas I think the Twins last year was a little bit different because there was a narrative between the Yankees and the Twins. The Yankees always beat the Twins, and they knew that. So there was something else going, I think, with that game as well. Whereas this one, it's really house money. They're, they got nothing to lose. So th- we've been doing this podcast for four seasons. This is the fourth year. Three times it's gone, the Yankees, to the wild card game. 15, 17, and 18. How, how are you feeling going into this one versus the other two? You know, I don't even want to admit this, but I feel like I'm I'm eerily confident, <laughs> and maybe that's just because this is our this isn't our first rodeo or second rodeo with this wild card. And after seeing what happened last year, after witnessing that that entire comeback and the fact that this team had the guts to come back after the uh, the the bad Luis Severino start, um, it just gives me a little bit more confidence. Not to mention the fact that Severino now is coming back in the same position. Knowing what happened last year, I feel like Love this it. is like a Tosh 2.0 redemption. You know what I mean? Like it's totally this is, the redemption. This man. is absolutely his redemption song, and he's ready to go for that. And I and I feel like he knows that. He knows he's had a bad second half, and later, you know, recently he's been a lot better. Um, so I gotta believe that he's gonna be really ready for this game. And it's also the redemption game for him and Gary Sanchez together against Oakland, right? Because that was a shit show last time we saw that. 
So they to, have to, to rede- say it very lightly. They have to redeem themselves as well. But I don't think anything can compare to the walking dead feel of 2015. We all knew that team was toast. So that, that was, you know, forget that year. 17 last year going into it, I think a lot of people were, well, what can we expect from this team? Hopefully good things happen, but this is, a, this is a year that wasn't supposed to happen anyway, so kind of everything from here on out is gravy. And now this year, they have expectations. Got to at least get past this wild card game. I understand you're playing the Red Sox ne- next, and they had 108 wins, but you lose this wild card game, you look back on the season, and it does not look good. Sean, uh, Sean uh, Verma in the Facebook group just said, the Yanks haven't won the division since the BP show was created, so he's blaming us, which is probably fitting. It's probably well, about. Many, it's probably about many, right. But we have made the playoffs. How uh, many postseason series have the Red Sox won since the BP show was created? Not not many. Zero. Zero. How many wins do those starting pitchers have? Zero. As, as Red Sox, and the Yankees have won two postseason series. So yeah, so well, there we series. go. One 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 and a half postseason series. I don't think I can consider the wild card game a postseason series. No, let's all be honest. It's a play in game, right? To get to um, the actual playoffs. Didi, Gardner, and Bird are the only three players who appeared in all three of those previous games. And Bird's not on the roster, and Gardner's not, probably not going to be in the starting lineup. So we might only see Didi as the main carryover. Uh, quick trip down memory lane, just to refresh people's memories, then we're going to dive into everything uh, with this game. So the Yankees were 3-3 three and three against the Athletics this year. May 11th at the stadium, they lost 10-5. to five. Uh, Sonny Gray did not pitch well in that game. May 12th, home game. They that won was another seven. one of those circled ones. Oh, maybe Sonny can turn right. it around here. It's against Oakland. It's at home. This yep. is a perfect situation for him to turn it around. No. It, How well, many times next we year we know if Sonny Gray does make it back to the starting rotation, we know don't circle any games for him because it's just going to make him poop himself. No, I mean, next year, there's, I mean, if he's here, there's zero expectations. The 12th, they won that game in extra innings, 7-6. to six. Do you remember this game? Chapman walked like 45 people in the ninth inning, and somehow Brett Gardner got out of it. He, he threw a guy out at home plate. The Yankees got out of it, and then they won that game in extra innings. May 13th was a, a nice, easy home win, 6-2. to two. Stanton went 4-4 four for four with a home run. September 3rd, out in Oakland, the Yankees lost. Sabathia got crushed. He gave up four earned runs in three and a third innings. The next day, Hap pitched great. The Yankees won. This was a game that Liam Hendricks actually opened for the A's. So the Yankees have seen Liam Hendricks on the mound opening a game before. And Luke, the legend, Voigt homered late in that game. And then September 5th, we all remember the disaster that was Luis Severino and Gary Sanchez. That leads nicely into how do you feel when you saw the news? Luis Severino named Yankees starting pitcher. What was your gut reaction? Yeah, so I was, um, you know, I, my gut reaction was I wasn't surprised. Uh, I, again, like I said this last time, I don't, I don't think I would have been surprised if if either, you know, if any of these guys were, were named. Uh, I know a lot of people wanted Hap to, to, like, he would probably would have been the, the most surprising of the three for me, at least, the, knowing the way that Boone is and knowing, you know, just how this season has gone. And the fact Hap that... Would I, been, Hap would have been the most, um, most surprising? I think, yeah, I think he would have been the most surprising for Boone to have chosen. Even after the fact that Tanaka hadn't pitched uh, since, when was it? Uh, yeah, when, I don't think Wednesday that was a big deal. I don't think that's a big deal for them because, I mean, he's, he's not going to throw if they I win. Severino yeah. hasn't pitched since What happens Tuesday. if they win? I mean, he's still not going to throw, right? right? So they're going to play with him um, with a long stretch. I think Tanaka's long stretches don't, don't bother them at all. No. Uh, the one, 
so when Severino, I think, started showing that he was starting to get back into form his last few outings, I think that sealed the deal. I think what they wanted to see is is more confidence out of him. They wanted to see him command his fastball better uh, and then show that, you know, that that life on the on the slider. And if he's able to do those two things, you know, even if the outcome wasn't the greatest because his last start, what he went five, walked, I think, three, um, you know, not exactly what you want to see on your last start. But I think he showed enough for them to do it. And that's what they were looking for. They were waiting for him to show just enough because that's the guy they wanted to go to. The peripheral numbers look like Severino is back because his K percentage is, is uh, 30.1%. His whiff percentage is 13.7% over his last seven games. Those are in line with his first 18 starts of the season when he was maybe the best pitcher in baseball. And th- those were the numbers we kept talking about when he had that slump in the middle of the season. Why is he not getting strikeouts? Why is he not getting swings and misses? Those have come back, which tells me, like you said, his slider is back, his fastball late life is back, and that's good. But no matter who they picked, whether it was Sanaka, Severino, or Hap, they're probably not going to be going very deep in this game. They're still going to rely heavily on the bullpen. Right, but so I think... four or five th- innings, I think, is... Kind of their ceiling is what they're asking out of Severino. Well, I think it's a, I think it's different ahead. with Severino. I think it's different with Severino. I think of the other two guys, I think that's a, a absolutely what they were going to be doing. But I think if we start if we start this game and Severino comes up and he shows that he's dominating and he's got that big fastball and the sliders moving and they're struggling against him, I could see them writing him out because okay, that was going to be my question. Because yeah, I could see them writing him longer than the other two. I think the other two because of the potential home run ball they would go to the, the bullpen a little bit more. Now, granted, I'm talking about when I say a little bit longer, I'm talking like starting an inning and a walk or a hit or anything like that. Any glimpse of anything going wrong, they will go to the bullpen. It's but, I, be but I think Severino would be the guy that they would, they would stick with longer if he, was, if he looked like he was going well. It's definitely quick leash, but I think he, say, say it was Hap, and Hap goes through five innings and looks good. I, I don't think he's coming out for the sixth no matter what happens. But Severino, I think there's going to be the question, and it's going to have to be the biggest decision maybe Boone makes all game, is if Severino is on, do I ride him into the sixth or possibly seventh inning, or do I immediately go to that bullpen, which everybody is going to be second-guessing if it doesn't work for, for Boone? Because you ha- they'll be saying, you have this great bullpen, why didn't you go to it uh, earlier? Yeah, exactly. It, well, it's I- kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't for him. And I think it's going to depend also on the matchup, on, on what's happening in that following inning, who's up, um, you know, what the what the order looks like, uh, you know, what they've done, how their at-bats have looked against Severino. I think they're going to take a lot of that into consideration because, uh, you know, at that point you're going matchup, you're going batter-to-batter matchups, right? I mean, you have the pitchers, you know what you want to do, and you're going to be looking at them as, you know, did they have a good at-bat against Severino? And these guys can hit right-handed pitching. We know that. It doesn't really matter as much if you're a lefty or righty for a lot of these guys. They are right-handed strong, but they can hit both sides. They can hit um, lefties and righties. And the bullpen for the Yankees is probably primar- uh, predominantly right-handed, minus obviously Britton and Chapman, who they're going to try to save t- for later in the game. And Hap? And Hap, yes. <laughs> no, I don't true. see Hap getting in that game, which kind of makes me question why is he on the roster. We'll get into the roster in a second. But you mentioned you're going on batter-pitcher matchups at a certain point in this game. There was an article in The Athletic, and Boone was quoted talking about if they, how much they look at batter-pitcher matchups, and he said, we don't really pay attention to it. It's more about splits, how you've done recently, and stuff like that. What does it matter if a, a hitter is 
three for 11 over the last three years against a pitcher. Those at-bats three years ago probably don't mean anything. Right. And I mean, you look at some of these guys, like you could say if that were Chad Green, you know, uh, and you're looking at stuff from him a year or two ago, he's a different pitcher than he was. Or even Severino, you're looking at Severino, what he was and what he is today. He's a different guy than, than you know, maybe some of these, like Jed Lowry probably has some at-bats that, that what are you going to do? Throw them away? He's having the best year of his career too. So he's also better. So I do agree with that. I, I mean, it makes sense. And again, look at look what happens. If you are, if you're failing two out of three times, um, you're a Hall of Famer. So what do these numbers really mean at the end of the day? I mean, with, with the amount of time between them, they really don't mean that much. It really does depend on how you're going at that, mem- at that moment. I think so, maybe for some players, it does give them an extra little confidence. Like Gary Sanchez versus David Price. I think Gary Sanchez just feels comfortable against David Price. And every time he's up there, he looks like he's hitting a ball 500 miles an hour. So I think for some players, it might, it might be a factor. It, well, I, I think it's different for, well, the example that you said is, you know, David Price. They've seen David Price a ton. He's in the same uh, division. You know, we're seeing this guy. It's a well-known ownership of David Price. So there's also the, you know, the the thought behind it, all the media coverage, the fans, like everybody in that building knows that David Price gets owned by the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. So it's it's a little different. But I mean, if I think the bigger thing is when you're looking at a batter matchup versus the pitcher is on that given day, like, is this guy seeing the ball well? Are his at-bats good? Was his first at-bat? Did he foul a bunch of balls off? Was he just missing it? Was he, um, you know, able to locate that slider out of uh, Severino's hands? Like, I think those are the big things that they're going to be looking at because if you see a guy that's putting up a tough at bat, laying off the slider and taking good swings against the fastball, then that's somebody who, who and, and if this person can hit the ball out of the park, let's say it's Chris Davis, you know, that's, that's where you have a concerning at bat and you might want to change it up. Nick Tolley in the Facebook comments uh, is said, we haven't really heard about any pitchers having dead arm in the past couple years, but maybe Severino experienced some of that this year. I don't think the Yankees ever used the term dead arm, but do you think that's a possibility to why he struggled for seven, eight starts? Yeah. I mean, there was an article, I think it was in the times or the post, or I forget where it was, but it was, um, there was a lot of interviews. It might've been with George King. There were interview. It was an interview with uh, Larry Rothschild and he was talking about this exact thing and he compared it back to, um, um, Justin Verlander's second year. Uh, being in the bigs and it was almost an identical stretch when he came out and and missed and and struggled in the second half in around the same time frame and then finally found it again his arm you know got the got his got his strength back and he finished the season really well so um yeah I think that that probably was it because when you get tired and we've been you know I think that was one of the things that we talked about too was uh fatigue and, and maybe it's not the arm it could be a number of things it could be your legs, legs. it yeah. could be your shoulder it could be uh, a, a certain part of the arm but once that starts going once once you start feeling fatigue that's when your mechanics get out of whack and I think you know whether it was it was one and the other chicken and the egg I think at the end of the day his mechanics were out of whack whether it was fatigue that did that or he just got into a slump with those mechanics and wasn't able to refine that same motion. But mechanically, he wasn't in the same place. And I think we saw that with him not locating the fastball and you know not getting the same action on the slider. I think there's a, a number of reasons why the Yankees ended up deciding to go with Severino over Hap. And, and it kind of, doesn't it seem more like that they were deciding between those two pitchers? I, I kind of feel like Tanaka has been sort of on the outskirts, at least being talked about amongst fans and amongst media. But for Severino, he's a much better home pitcher. He has um, 15 of his 32 starts were at Yankee Stadium this year. The Yankees in those games were 13-2, and two, and Severino was 10-2. In, 92 innings pitched and only a 274 ERA. 
only eight home runs allowed. And if you look at Hap, Hap gave up eight home runs at Yankee Stadium in just 39 innings pitched. So that, he, that, that's the big deal. Uh, that's a big the, difference. The A's are a right-handed team, a right-handed power-hitting team, and Hap is susceptible to the home run ball. So I understand he has limited the damage. He's given up a lot of solo home runs. That's a credit to Hap. It's kind of like the Tanaka thing. Yeah, Tanaka's going to give up his home runs, but a lot of them are solo, so you can live with that. You might not be able to live with that in a wild card game. Yeah, and that's the thing. They, they get aggressive when there's nobody on. Um, Tanaka's given up those solo shots or, uh, unless it's a, a Derek Jeter day. But he's, uh, you know, they, 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 calculate, they, they get aggressive, but it's calculated. They do it when there's nobody on, when they have really good matchups, and then they'll be, you know, highly active in the strike zone and go after these guys. Whereas Severino is attacking constantly. He's constantly attacking because he's got overpowering stuff, whereas the other two are more finesse. Um, I mean, Tanaka could still ramp it up 95, but 94, 95. Uh, Haps, what, 94? You know, these guys have a, a much inferior fastball, but they work. They're, they're great pitchers. The problem is they can leave them hanging and the balls get taken out. And anything, any contact in Yankee Stadium with a power-hitting team could be a home run. Marcus Anderson asked, do you think Chapman's going to be the closer or do you think that we could, uh, you could see Boone sticking with Britain, who he has sort of stuck with towards the end of the season? So let's also just morph this into the question of what's the bullpen, what's the line of bullpen arms that's going to come out after Severino? So I think, I think we're going to see um, uh, Chad Green. I think Chad Green's probably the first guy in. That's, that's my guess. Uh, but again, well, it's going to does be... It, dep- it depends on the situation, I think. It, it does, but I'll... I mean, I, I honestly think in any situation, he unless Severino goes deep, if Severino goes, let's just say Severino goes five, I could see them going still with Green, in uh, as as the next guy. I, I meant less about the inning and more about the the base runner uh, situation. You, you mean Batantis? Well, <laughs> you mean don't bring Batantis in with base runners don't on. Bring, bring Batantis in, but Chad Green. Last year we saw Chad Green come in in the fireman role in the first inning, and he yes. struck guys out. Yes, Chad Green's been very good this year, but he has not had the same strikeout stuff. I, I think we could see him going to uh, Chad Green in a clean inning scenario, and if he needs to get out of a jam, maybe using Robertson. Robertson has been giving up some big home runs this year, towards the end of the year as well. You know, I, I don't know. I don't think there's as much of a difference. I don't think I don't think it's a, a, a big upgrade with having David Robertson in there over Chad Green. Honestly, Chad Green's been in the situation before. Um, I, I got to believe for a situation like this, that fastball is getting ramped up even more. I, I see him as probably one of the most effective guys out of the bullpen to, to start the, you know, to start the bullpen train. Um, I, I think D Rob absolutely has the, the, the faith in the, in the, in the team in, in Boone, but he's just, he's shown some vulnerabilities. There's been chinks in the armor recently with D Rob and I have a difficult time bringing him in. I know the Houdini, Acts. I know the nicknames. I know he's done it here before, but he makes me nervous. He came in. He pitched. What did he pitch? Like three and a third innings last year in the wild card game. He couldn't feel his arm by the end of the time. He was he an, had all he those was great an, emotions, an grabbing his crotch after Sanchez got hit in the nuts. He he was the star of the game. One of the stars of the game out of the bullpen last year. It's another year, baby. It's another it year. Another and year. We get, miles we, on his arm. We all get older, and D Rob is not not a. He cannot escape the father time. Could you see Britain getting into this game earlier than expected if they need a ground ball double play? 
Yes. So that's one of the big things I think we could see. I definitely think we could see Britain come in, especially because he's a lefty. He's if they've if they're deciding if Boone's saying Chapman's my closer, um, then yeah, I could absolutely see Britain come in as a fire extinguisher role uh, if they needed to get um, or if they needed to flip around Jed Lowry or get Chapman out or something like that in a big situation. I could see them going with him. He's going to be the one that I think is is going to be moved uh, based on situation more than anybody because he's a lefty. So did you, uh, you know, Liam Hendricks is from Perth, Australia, right? I did not know that. Yeah. So I, I heard him speaking. I was watching uh, ESPN was showing like press conferences and Liam Hendricks talking. Can, did it surprise the living shit out of you? Yeah, it did. You cannot lose a wild card game when an Australian opens the game. And I, and I love the land down under. I mean, Graham, Graham Lloyd. Lloyd. Graham Lloyd was, was amazing. One, the of the, one of the best haymakers I've seen on a baseball field. But Graham Liam Lloyd Hendricks, coming out of nowhere. Liam Hendricks is not Graham Lloyd. No, I don't know enough about Liam Hendricks to call him Graham Lloyd, that's for sure. Um, Graham Lloyd was, uh, he was like a, a tall, skinny, lanky, you know, he, you know he just didn't put up with anything, too. He, he definitely kicks kids off of his lawn, thousand percent. Like, Graham Lloyd was the deal. So... He's going to be opening. I could see him just going one inning. So when we're talking about matchups, Yankees batters versus Liam Hendricks, you kind of also have to throw it out the window, right? Because they're going to be facing the bullpen. Most of the batters, most of the hitters are going to go up there on Wednesday night and face a different pitcher every time they go up to bat. And that's difficult. That's why bullpenning is so effective is because every time it's a, it's a, press the reset button, a new guy's coming in there, throwing gas. He has his best stuff. Um, The Yankees feast on starting pitchers the second and third time through the order. That is when the Yankees offense is at their best. They destroy starting pitchers if they get them to the fifth inning because by that time, the starting pitcher's worn out, the Yankees bats have seen them two or three times, and boom, they're ready to go. Not with bullpenning, and we saw the Yankees struggle all damn year with the Tampa Bay Devil Rays bullpenning. No, I think that's one of the concerns when you're talking about these new guys uh, every single time is, is the fact that the Yankees do work the at-bats. They, they make calculated, uh, they have calculated at-bats, uh, they work the count, they, they kind of lull you into their zone. And, and you're right, when they come around second and third time, that's when they start striking. Um, they're going to have to do a lot more preparation ahead of time with these guys. Some of them they've seen, like when you're looking at the bullpen, like there are some guys, Sean Kelly, they've seen uh, familiar. They've seen Rodney. They've seen Blake Trinan. Uh, maybe they, did they see him last year? Um, when he was, or when he was with the nationals possibly, but there's, there's not a lot of, uh, not a lot of time with some of these guys, but the majority of them, like Rodney's been around for a while. Sean Kelly has a horse head on his head. They know exactly who he is. Um, so there's, there's tape on these guys and they've had at bat. So it's not like you're, you're getting someone who you've never seen before, a starting pitcher who you've never seen before. Cause that was the Yankees MO a few years ago it was any young pitcher that came up for the, the Yankees couldn't touch him. And it was frustrating as all hell because nobody had heard of the guy and shuts down the Yankees. I think with the relievers, there's definitely a lot more experience and there's more tape on some of these guys. Tim Conrad asked, do you think the Yankees are already planning on using both Severino and Hap and feel better about Jay Hap coming in from the bullpen? And that's why Luis Severino got the start. So I, I think that because Hap is on this roster, I'm pulling up the roster right now just so I can take a look at it again. And, Ten uh, total sure. pitchers. Yeah. Severino, Hap, Tanaka, Lance Lynn, Chapman, Batances, Britton, Green, Holder, Robertson. 
So when you're looking at this and you're looking at all 10 pitchers and you're thinking long guy, long guy, long guy, because maybe that's what you need at some point, right? If, if the first inning is a disaster like it was last year, maybe they don't go to green uh, initially this time. He's not that same two-inning guy he was um, as far as effectiveness too. And I think when they when Girardi went to green last year, he knew that he could get, if he needed to, get more length out of green if, if, if he wanted. We're looking at the length guys here, and you have Lance Lynn and you have um, Jay Happ. Jay Happ made and Tanaka, but I think Happ is the emergency guy. I think Happ is the emergency guy that if Tanaka struggles early on, Severino they, struggles. Uh, am I, they could go right into uh, Jay Happ. If Severino struggles, if they see a redo of last year, I got too many goddamn notes in front of me. Yeah. When they then then they uh, then they could go back to they could go to Jay Happ who could work length. But I think he's, a, he's you, a just in case. I think it's the only reason just he's there. In case, well, then what's Tanaka? What's he doing? I, next? I don't know why both of them are there, honestly. Because it, it, to me, it doesn't make as much. When you're looking at the alternatives, that's the, like maybe a Tarpley. But do right. they have enough faith in Tarpley? I mean, I, I know he looked good towards the end of the season. It was his, a very small sample. His first couple outings, he did not look good, but he started playing much better and he started pitching much better. But he's also another lefty. So is does that override? Um, having a, a guy like Hap or Tanaka, maybe not against a right-handed dominant lineup. Right, and then you're getting into the guys like Tommy Canley, who's been garbage. He's been you're, so bad this year. Sonny Gray, who wasn't going to sniff this roster. Um, who, who else? Herman. You cannot Loisica. lose any situation having Sonny Gray on the mound. You just right. you, nobody would. Nobody has the balls to put him on that roster because things could go badly and they'd, they'd, they'd all lose their jobs. Aaron Boone would not make it two steps out of Yankee Stadium before being mobbed. No. But, so it is interesting because I don't expect Tanaka and Hap to both pitch. And I think, that, uh, do you think they'll use Tanaka before Lance Lynn? No. So I, Tanaka I have, is there for what? If the game goes into the 15th inning? Potentially. I think that's when you're looking at. So if you have two of these long starters, uh, I think they'll wait to use Lynn. They'll wait to use Tanaka because they have enough guys. Look, it all depends on how Severino goes. Obviously, we know that. Um, but they want to hold off some of these guys for later because if it does go extra innings, he's got to, he wants to be prepared and he wants to make sure that he's able to throw a guy who can go out there and, and eat a whole bunch of innings. And if you have Lance Lynn waiting in the, in the wings or Tanaka waiting in the wings, you can get as much as you need out of them. And it does line up perfectly if they don't have to use Hap or Tanaka. It puts the Yankees in the best possible situation to beat the Red Sox in the division series. Because Hap can go game one, which means he can also go, go game five. Tanaka can go game two. He's better on the road than he is at home. And then Severino can pitch back at home where he's better than he is on the road. That is your, that, they've put themselves, I think, in the best chance to beat Oakland and the best chance to beat the Red Sox. And that was one of the things that I that I really thought was going to be one of the factors, and and they will never come out and say that this was a factor until no, you can't until they well, unless they win the game, then they'll talk about it. But I don't even know if it, they're going to say it. Then I think they're just going to say Severino was our guy. He was our guy. But the thing is, well, that's 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 absolutely true. But the it, it's still irresponsible for them not to look forward. I know you don't look forward as a fan or as a player or as a manager. You have to beat the team in front of you. I get that, but you also have to be as prepared as you possibly can if you do uh, come out winner. You can't be completely left, you know, stranded and like, oh, shit, now what do we do? If you uh, win the game and then go to the Red Sox, unless the thing goes, you know, 20 innings, then, then you're, you're, in, you're in deep shit. Then Sonny Gray's coming out somewhere. But you have to think about it at least. You have to have some kind of a preparation for it because if you do win the game, 
you got to be ready. Uh, so Marta Foscani, Marta, I know exactly who you are. You've been on our, our, our live chats before, and I probably butchered your last name. I apologize. She asks, uh, who's going to be the offensive star of the game? So let's get into the offense, um, the pl- position players on this, on this roster. Three catchers, Sanchez, Romine, and Higgy. Seven infielders, Voigt, Glaber, Didi, Andujar, Walker, Hechevarria, and Tyler Wade, although I don't expect him to do anything other than pinch run. And then five outfielders, Judge, Hicks, Stanton, McCutcheon, and Gardner. I think because Wade's there, he can pinch run. At the, if they need to have him play defense somewhere, he can play pretty much anywhere. That's why they have Higgy on there, because you might want to pinch run for the catcher, and then you have insurance for um, Romine, who's catching, if he gets injured. Yeah, so that's the reason why they have the, the three catchers for sure, if there's an injury or pinch hitting and, and or both. Um, who was the uh, – what was the name of the pinch runner they had? Was it in 2015? I mean, Noel. Oh. Oh yeah, no. I, I was, I was going to say Noel. Homer Bush. I was about to say Homer, Homer Bush. Bush. I thought you were talking nah. about like the nineties. No, no, no. no. Two, uh, in fifteen, um, mm-hmm. the uh, but yeah. So that's why they're doing and that. He didn't get a chance to get in that game. He didn't get the in the game. Couldn't get any base runners. God, that was a boring game, and we all knew <laughs> it was going to be. The uh, I, I don't think there's any surprises on here. Honestly, uh, I'm looking up and down the roster of the the guys that they they have on here. You know, maybe the three catchers is something that people probably didn't think about, but it makes sense makes because sense. of the yeah the switching out the the pinch runners and then a potential injury. You can't be left without a catcher. Um, and then Tyler Wade, I mean, would be the only other guy, but he's there for for pinch running, and then you know maybe a defensive substitute later if if need be. Um, it, you know, it'll be interesting, I think, because of who they have here, because they have Hechevarria and they have Wade. Both those guys can come in and play defense uh, in multiple positions. Walker very too. Don't yeah. under it, Walker. I think Walker's going to play a part in this game because he can pinch hit lefty and righty, and he can play first, second, and third. I'm talking about purely defensive guys. Okay. I'm not talking about Walker. I, I absolutely think Walker's going to play a role in this game. He's going to come in in a big pinch hit situation at some point, too. Uh, but when you're looking at Hechevarria and Tyler Wade, my, my thing is what I'm looking at, and I think is going to be very interesting, if the Yankees do get a lead, if it's a one- or a two-run lead, seventh, eighth inning, at what point, and do they switch out for defense Miguel Andujar? I think if they have because a lead. Because that's what's going to happen when you have these two guys uh, on, on this team. I think if you have a one-run lead in the seventh inning and Andujar's not due up the next inning, he's coming out of that game. Because it came up what a couple of series ago when Andujar got subbed out that uh, tied the game. I forget who it was against now. Um, and, and he was, you know, we had to have an at-bat with. Uh, I think it, it was Wade. against the Reds. It was against the Red Sox, I think, when it was the series at home. Uh, maybe. So, yeah. No, but were... you can't have Andujar there because it, the guy cannot turn a double play. Right. No, so, he's a liability in the field. There's no doubt about it. But. You know, Glaber Torres has also been proven to make a lot of boneheaded errors in the field as well. He so, is. are you are you subbing it's boneheaded out versus for... it's boneheaded with Glaber versus just he can't do it with Andujar? Yeah, like he did the double clutches, the 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 delaying of the throws. You cannot have it if you're in a one run game in the seventh, eighth, and ninth, ninth inning. You can't just hand the A's on a silver platter a free base. No, I mean I get it. I'm just wondering if it's if it's going to be a ninth inning thing or if they're going to do it even earlier than that. Depending seventh on inning, when, depending on oh, seventh. You say seventh inning unless he's due uh, up. Seventh inning unless he's due up the next inning. Yeah, wow. Um, I don't think it's going to be that early. I, I, it would have to be a. Um, I think if it's a little bit of a bigger, if it's a bigger lead, they would do it. I don't think if it's a one run game that they would do it in the seventh inning. Well, there's the, no if there's there, a. 
there's a bigger lead, I guess, then his bat doesn't matter as much because you right, have a bigger lead. Right, and you sure up your defense. But but you want to sure up your defense. You have a one-run lead. You don't give up any more runs. You win the game. They just It's a small margin for error. I, I don't know. I, I think they still want that bat in there. It, it's, it, would be, it would be very difficult for me to take Andujar's bat out in the seventh inning. I don't think that's happening. But you could put Walker in there, who's a better third baseman, and still have a, have a decent bat. Yeah, assuming he's not already pinch hit at that point. Yeah, I mean, look, there's because yeah. you're because you know who else you're going to have. You're still going to have Echeverria on the bench, and you're still going to have Tyler Wait. Wade on the bench at that point. So, the chances are that Neil Walker might not even be on the bench anymore. Uh, you know, there, yeah. there's a, there's so many different scenarios because this is a game seven. They're going to be playing everybody and anybody. Um, but yeah, one run, one run lead, two run lead. Even I don't think they take him out in the seventh. Maybe the eighth. Uh, one run lead of the ninth, thousand percent. So think back to March. We were in spring training. We didn't. Uh, we didn't answer the question though. Who's the, the question? big? Who's the big? I don't even remember. Kind of. It was uh, who's going to be the offensive star. Oh, you want me to go first? Yeah. Don't say the, the guy. I'm going to say though. It's going to really piss me off. It's going to be Gary Sanchez. Oh, okay. That's not who, am I, who I'm thinking. <laughs> it's going to be Luke Voigt. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, because, he, he could because, cement it. This Luke Voigt might get, earn himself a plaque this week. No, I'm serious. <laughs> the only because the only thing that Greg Bird has. Is that home run against <laughs> Andrew Miller? Andrew so Luke Miller. Luke Voigt's going to come in and hit a bigger home run off a, like Familia, off an ex Met yes. in the eighth inning, like a yeah. two run go ahead home run, yep. and Greg Bird might just off himself right there in the dugout. It, it may be it may be curtains for Bird at that point. I, I don't even know what he would do. I don't know how you look at anybody in the eye at that point. Now you have no now you have no big home run that anybody cares about anymore right. because your substitute just hit a bigger one. Uh, and Bird, Sonny Gray, and Ronald Torres, three players not found on this roster, three players I don't expect to be on the ALDS roster if they make it that far. I mean, if you had asked me back in March, I would say those three are guaranteed for a playoff roster. It's crazy. When you're looking at how this roster is, is, is panned out and what we started with in the beginning of the season. Yeah, like, you know, the, let's go through the, these guys. There's, there's the pitchers would that, be pretty, pretty similar. The, but the, the pitchers position pretty players... Similar. Void players, very Voight wasn't here. Glaber Torres was not on the opening day roster. And Duhar wasn't on the opening day roster. Hechevarria wasn't on the roster. Neil Walker he was, was in trash. Trampa. Neil Tyler Walker Wade, was hot trash. Tyler Wade was on the opening day roster, actually. Um, and Andrew McCutcheon was a San Francisco giant. Yeah. So you're looking up and down this, and there's a lot of differences. And, and a lot of massaging to this roster and what they've done. Um, but yeah, I mean... I'm loving it, honestly. One through nine, when you're looking at how this, how these guys are are, are setting up and kind of what they, how they've been coming into this season, going back to the confidence in this game, and I don't want to get too freaking cocky or, or, or anything, but I do have confidence. I, I feel like it's a different year this year. I feel like these guys um, ended the season right. They ended the season the way they needed to end the season. Gregory uh-huh. Gregory is actually talking about. He just said something. Uh, scoring early and taking the pressure off of Sevy. I think that is massively important. And someone that can uh, tail, uh, tie into, I'm looking for the comment and I can't find it and I apologize. Someone had said, uh, what is the crowd going to, how is the crowd going to play in oh, the yeah. game tomorrow? So you get early offense that settles Severino down and that keeps the crowd just absolutely juiced up. Yeah. And, and that's when, if you're talking about, if you're talking about like nerves of young players coming into Yankee Stadium, a lot of that is going to be this crowd going balls. It was just going uh, you and absolutely I were both crazy. there last year. It was the loudest I'd ever heard Yankee Stadium. I'm going to be there tomorrow night. I plan on not having a voice on that podcast uh, after the game tomorrow. So, yeah, the Yankees score early. The place is going to be just vibrating. It's going to be so loud. 
And, and and now there's there's been a precedent sent from from last year and into the yeah. playoffs. Like the play, Yankee Stadium was rocking. I mean, pandemonium in the Bronx. We had our guy Danny calling reason. in from 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 England with the pandemonium uh, voicemail, which is still one of my favorite voicemails of all time history. Um, and we have the t-shirts, the pandemonium and the Bronx t-shirts. That's exactly what it is. It's pandemonium. When that place is rocking, when everybody now knows what that stadium can feel like, everybody knows now that the new stadium can shake. The new stadium can do everything that the old stadium did do. Mm. It's like, hey, you know what? We It can be that way. All they got to do, it's the people that bring it in. It's not the building. It's the people. I know we all love the old Yankee stadium, but this one can be special too. Are you a little nervous that because the Yankees went so deep in the playoffs last year, it's going to bring a lot of people we don't want in the Bronx for the playoffs this year? A lot of fair weather fans, a lot of just scoreboard watchers. Those are some expensive tickets, man. They are. They <laughs> those are, are some expensive, expensive tickets but... for casual scoreboard watching fans. I think those guys are going to be the ones wearing their brand new hats in front of all their friends uh, at a party. That's that's where I see those guys. Where can I be in front of the most people that don't know I'm a Yankees fan so they can see me rooting for the Yankees? Not at Yankee Stadium. You mentioned the voicemail line. We want uh, good or bad, whatever happens. Call up the voicemail line after the game. 646-480-0342. Put it in your phones. Put it in your phones. You're never going to remember it when the time is. Put it in your phone. So that way you have it. Throw it on there and uh, call it whenever because that's the uh, that's like our um, who's the uh, who's the one you call Dr. Dr. Ruth or whatever the hell is the 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 line where you call and start talking to somebody I have no clue what you're talking about I don't even know either it's older it's beyond my time even let's speculate what the lineup's going to be because that has not been announced I think that we've seen this lineup over the last um, few games I think we saw I think it was Friday night I think we saw the the uh, wild card lineup it was McCutcheon leading off and left, Judge second in right field, Hicks center field batting third, Stanton batting cleanup at DH, Voigt at first batting fifth, Didi at short batting sixth, and Duhart third, seventh, Sanchez eighth catching, and Glaber at second batting ninth. So uh, the difference, the only thing I, th- I think could change in this is the is Didi and Hicks flip-flopping. Um, you would think feel- Didi will go up to third. I think if they feel confident in the way he he feels, I mean, I he's looked really good since he's come back. He really hasn't shown much. Aaron, I think much Aaron, from it. Aaron Boone has a shrine. Him and and Cashman have personal shrines to Aaron Hicks. They do love Hicks. There's no doubt about it. But they also love Didi and Didi's uh, Didi. After what he did last year, you want to give that guy at bats. I mean, he is the most clutch hitter in this entire uh, lineup. There's no doubt about it. Like the guy comes up in big situations. Don't you want Here's, that bat up? Of course I do. I love Didi. But here's the thing with, I guess you could flip Hicks down to the six. Here's what it does batting Hicks third and Didi sixth or vice versa. It kind of splits up the righties to best of their ability at this point. The most right-handed hitters you're going to have in a row are five. Yeah. No, I'm, I don't see. I don't even think it matters as much uh, with this lineup either, especially with the way that these guys can go to right field. I think that's such a big deal. I think the fact that Judge and Stanton can both go to right field, you know, well, uh, I think that changes and void. It changes. It changes the way that you approach the pitchers, whether it's a lefty or a righty. And I think it it'll it'll uh, change um, how the the Oakland attacks these guys as well because they could go to the opposite field so you know so well. Um, look, they're they're going to be in trouble one way or the other. And the fact that Neil Walker coming off the bench as a switch hitter definitely helps matters. 
Did you um so I, I found that when Severino was announced as the starter, the majority of the Yankees fans were a little upset. They thought it should be Hap. I was listening to WFAN for a while today and just listening to these people call in. Some of these some some callers were livid that Severino was starting, that Hap wasn't starting. Because they probably you, haven't doing? watched they probably haven't watched since last wild card game. Or they've watched a few games and just seen Severino struggle. They don't know that he's was pitching better in his last couple starts. Uh, you know, not all the information's there. Most likely, I get that. Look, if if Severino's going, he's the guy that you want. I mean, I understand that Hap has been very good, but at, at the same time, people take for granted what Severino has been and what he has come back to be. I think. Again, I, I think they were just looking for a little glimpse of him coming back and showing that he could be that same guy. Um, yes, they love Hap. We all know why they got Hap. One of the very big reasons they got Hap. And it wasn't to pitch against Oakland. It was to pitch against the Boston Red Sox if that time came up for the division or, you know, in an ALDS if, uh, if necessary, if possible. So that's going to line up for more for why they got him, I think. And, and, and if you're looking at this, this game and, and this team in front of us and you're saying, well, he gives us a better opportunity to win this game, I don't really believe that. I think that you're having a very good opportunity, probably damn close to all three of these guys. You're having a similar opportunity to win this game. I think they all give you uh, a very similar chance of winning the game. Like if you're looking at Vegas odds and either one of these guys, I bet it would be very similar, uh, the odds. I don't think they'd change much. So a bunch of people are asking what the A's record is when Liam Hendricks starts. And they are, they are four and four as a team when Hendricks, the Aussie opens. I mean, I don't know how much that really tells you. Because That's he's an the opener. thing. Like, it, he's going to pitch one inning, maybe two at most, if he has like a five-pitch first inning for whatever reason. And I think overanalyzing Liam Hendricks versus the Yankees batters or whoever it is, the next guy to come out of that bullpen versus the Yankees batters, I think I, I just don't think it's worth overanalyzing because it's going to change the next inning. It, look, bullpenning is all the rage. I get it. I, I get it. But I have said all year long, it's not a sustainable model to win games. I don't think it is. The Tampa Bay proved me wrong in a million ways this year yep. because they won freaking 90 games. They did it practically all year long. They had primarily one starter. Yes, they were an anomaly. And my hat is off to the way that that team played. But you come into Yankee Stadium in a one-game playoff play-in game, whatever the hell you want to call it, at Yankee Stadium with this lineup going well, and you're bullpenning, your your odds of one of those guys having a bad day yep. is increased a lot. And it, it doesn't is. take much for this team to put up four or five runs. They can do it fast. They've shown that this past week. The runs can go up fast. So you have a guy coming in there and struggling. Boom, boom, boom. Game, game could be out of hand very quickly. You said it's not sustainable, but it doesn't have to be sustainable to win a one-game wildcard game or even win in the month of October. Doesn't sustainable is out the window at this point. It's, oh, that's it's, not true. It absolutely has to be sustainable for for the uh, for a series. There's no doubt. Like, yeah, one right, game. I thought you in, meant sustainable for a full season. I'm talking about in general, but in a playoff game, in a playoff series, I don't think it's sustainable either because you don't know how many guys you're going to have to use in a well, playoff I think game. If the A's got to the division series, they would not bullpen every game. I think you're going to see Cahill and Mike Fires in there. But who gives a crap? All we care about is Wednesday, and they're going to bullpen. And it can work for one game. We saw it work against the Yankees a dozen times this year. I go back to my point. With this team fired up, with this, with this lineup the way it is, at Yankee Stadium, with the, the stakes where they are, 
All you got to have is one or two of these guys to be off a little bit. All for nine innings. That's a lot of. That's a lot to ask for. That's a lot to ask for from uh, an entire bullpen staff for an entire uh, practically uh, pitching staff. It's not just a bullpen staff. It's, it's their entire pitching staff. It's a lot to ask for when you're going up against these guys who know damn well how to hit in Yankee Stadium. And, you know, we have the numbers for uh, for these uh, all of our guys at Yankee Stadium. A lot of power numbers. They're, they're a lot of all power better numbers. at home than they are on the road. That's, yes. That's like the big takeaway here. Aaron Judge is night and day at home versus on the road. Didi, his power plays well at Yankee Stadium. Um, Miguel Andujar, I guess, hits everywhere. But in 75 games at Yankee Stadium, he's batting 312 with 16 home runs. Um, up and down, you look at it. Even the new guys. Uh, where is it? Luke Voigt. Luke Voigt in 17 games has 15 RBIs and six home runs. Of course he does. McCutcheon's on base every single time you look up. He's got a 21% walk rate. McCutcheon's average. When you look at McCutcheon's numbers, they're Weird. they're actually surprisingly a lot lower than you would you would expect because he's, he's got a on 420 base so much. on base percentage. Well, that's why because I think people see him on base and realize when you see that in 11 games at Yankee Stadium this year he's hitting 225 and has three RBIs, um, but he's been on base you know, 17.6% of the time you're seeing a guy that gets on base a lot and it's, um, uh, his numbers are deceiving. Yeah. I just hope that when he does inevitably walk in this game, he doesn't try and steal a base because I feel like he's been pretty unsuccessful. Yeah. He is one out of four stealing bases for the Yankees. So McCutcheon. Far. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't seem, I don't even remember the one he actually got. I don't see the Yankees doing much stealing in this game unless they pinch hit again, Tyler Wade, pinch run Tyler Wade and Absolutely need a stolen base late in that game. Because if that's the case, you're, you're in a very obvious stolen base situation. Right. If Tyler Wade's in the game, right. uh, chances are they know that you're going to probably try to steal. Right. <laughs> so, I, you know, I think maybe if they see something off of one of these guys, you know, that's one thing to, to keep an eye on. I think when, when we're talking about a game that's going to be bullpen, if there are base runners, when you're seeing a lot of, and I, I'm, this is probably, this is one stat I don't have. We don't have in front of us um, and I don't know it, but when you're looking at guys who are, are working out of the bullpen, a lot of them are not as comfortable with runners on base. So if you can get them uncomfortable, if you can get some runners on base against a team that's bullpenning like this, who um, you have a guys you know working out of stretch primarily, uh, they're used to that, but they're not the greatest at holding runners on because a lot of relievers are not. You know that could play a role in the game, and, and maybe we're not looking at um, a situation where they're stealing a bag off the catcher, but they're looking at the you know the moves of the of the pitcher. They're they're move, they're, they're going off. Uh, first move because they realize that he's not looking over as much. I could see little games like that being picked up on and, and taken advantage of. I think we've analyzed in and out pretty much everything we can. Anything else you can think of? You, you, you seem very confident. I mean, it's, it's a, you know, I'm not overly, uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm ready for the game. I think that's the biggest thing is I'm ready yeah. for this damn game. I'm ready for them to play it. I'm ready for them to, to go out there and prove, prove to everybody that they are uh, the team that we know they can be, the team that we saw the first half of the year, even better than that because they've actually upgraded since then. Um, this, this team could be, you know, this is one of those teams that you see what happened in the second half, but you know what they can be. And, and I don't think anybody would be surprised if they made a very long run. Because no, no one's going to be surprised, but then also if the Yankees fizzle out early in these playoffs, no one's going to be surprised either because of some things we've seen, some trends we've seen for the last two months. The, the other thing about it, when you're, when you're looking at like a confidence perspective on, uh, on some of these guys, and someone was just talking about this, kind of sparked me, um, just about having uh, experience. I mean, you add a guy like 
McCutcheon to the lineup. Um, I know you have some rookies in here too, but uh, even Stanton. Stanton's not a guy who's been to the playoffs. You know, he's not like he has a lot of playoff experience at at all. But he's got that demeanor that that seems like he would be totally calm and cool and collected in this moment. He nothing nothing to, nothing I think is bigger uh, than the moment for him. You know what I mean? Like no moment is big for him. It seems like he just stays nice and calm throughout the time. So I feel like they have a lot of uh, a lot of veteran presence in that way. And then obviously all the guys that have uh, came back from last year. They've been in this role, and that's right. what we talked about last year. That's why last year was so important. They overachieved. They got as far as they did. They got this close, a couple outs away from tasting the World Series when they were not even supposed to be there. And that will prove, I think, uh, if they could just get past this first game, but even for this first game, it'll prove to, to um, benefit them a lot because you know the nerves are less. They are for guys like Judge and Hicks and Didi but, and Sanchez, I guess, but Glaber's new and Duhar's new. Voight is... Who, who knows what Voight is going to actually Come on, be in Voight's, the playoffs. No, nothing's big for Voight. McCutcheon's new to the team. He's had some playoff experience with the Pirates, but they never did shit in the playoffs. So the, the two rookies that you're talking about, though, the guys that, that are, are going to be new to this, Glaber Torres is like an old soul. I feel like that kid is a, a crafty seven-year vet. And then Andujar is just ice when he's up in the box. I mean, in the field... That's just bad mechanics. Like I'm not blaming playoffs or big moments. I'm just I'm blaming bad footwork is what I'm blaming. Um, but in the box, like that kid, that kid is as cool as as anybody, man. Uh, as uh, Stu Scott would say, cool as the other side of the pillow. This kid can hit. Uh, we were talking about the Reggie Jackson interview on R two C two. They were talking about bat uh, range and how much range he has at the plate and how much plate Stays range. He, he can hit anything. That's, that's one of the things. Like He's a bad ball hitter. He's got that yeah. Vlad Guerrero, not to that extent probably, but he's got that, that ability to hit the bad ball um, and, and get, get bat to ball in, in any situation, and that's huge for, for this. Yeah, there was, a, there was an article in The Athletic about Andujar's actual contact rate out of pitches outside the strike zone, and he's yep. still able to barrel the ball outside of the strike zone, which is why he doesn't walk a lot, but he also gets a ton of hits even on pitches outside of the zone. Most guys, they swing in a pitch out of the zone. If they do make contact, it's weak contact. Not right. with Andujar. And that's what Vlad Guerrero could do so well. Like that guy, I mean, we remember all, everybody remembers the, the ball that he hit off the ground. I mean, he, right. he literally could square up anything. So now Andujar is Vlad Guerrero? No, he, I, he's, he's got that ability, though. He's got that, that, bat, got, that bat-to-ball ability is what I'm saying. He's Adrian got that, Beltre, that insane hand-eye coordination. Beltre-Guerrero Combo. Yeah, yeah. Without He's only defense. gotten better, man, throughout the year. Without only the defense better. and without the arm. Yeah, he needs to. He needs to work on both of them. Imagine he's, he's got Black an arm. Gross he's got an arm. He just doesn't base. know how to use it yet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he again. Spend some time with Adrian Beltre in the offseason, please. Play yeah, some Beltre. Defense. They're talking about Beltre might retire, so he's Perfect. maybe maybe Beltre can do for and do Pedro. what Pedro did for Severino. I love it. I love it. I think we just solved Anduhar's third base problems in the yeah. offseason. Still concerned for tomorrow night. <laughs> right. Um, all right. That's probably going to do it for us. Um, I think we both are confident that the Yankees are going to win this game, which means we'll <laughs> look I'm like not, morons. I'm not right now. <laughs> Looks like, means we'll look like morons when we come back on here um, to, uh, to record after the game. So there will be a podcast up Thursday morning. Scott is going to be watching the game at home, so I will be at the stadium. So you'll have one person who's thinking logically and one person just coming no. With I the so I think I'm going to have to drink. I think I'm going to have to. I'm having a couple buddies over, and I'm going to have to drink heavily just so that I'm not 
so, um, so completely annoyed by you. It'll be a repeat later. of last year when <laughs> yeah. we were both just incoherent. If uh, you're awesome. going to be hammered, I feel like I need to be on that level for us to have a good conversation together. Well, as you know, when you're there, because we were both at the game last year, and when we got home, we sort of watched, we read a little bit, before we recorded, we read a little bit about the game, and we watched some videos, and it's like, holy crap, you, you just miss so many of the little things that you right. all, always see on TV, you don't see from the stands. No, that's, that's definitely true. You have to look at the highlights so you can see a closer look. Yeah. I'll have, the, I'll have the, all that stuff ready for you. That's going to be your job. Probably not, but maybe. All right. And again, guys, call up the voicemail line. One of the probably my favorite thing of the postseason run last year was all of the voicemails after every unbelievable Yankees win or unfortunately after some of the more crushing moments in the playoffs. So that number is 646-480-0342. Scott, any last words before the most important game of the season? No, Tyler, if you could put that number in the uh, comments again, too, please, so that people can put it. Program this number into your phone so that you can call during the game, after the game, whenever. Just call the number and leave a voice note. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show... We'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.